Hello, Richard Lane here with the Lancet podcast on Friday, April the 20th. In August 2003, the Lancet published the Million Women Study, which reported an increased risk of breast cancer for women using combination hormone replacement therapy, or HRT. This week we publish online further analysis from the Million Women Study, looking at HRT use and ovarian cancer. In a moment, I'll be discussing this with Professor Valerie Beryl from the University of Oxford in the UK. Before that, here are a few highlights from the April 21st to 27th issue of The Lancet. An important clinical finding in the PREVAIL study, looking at the prevention of venous thromboembolism for people after ischemic stroke. Many people who experience ischemic stroke are at risk of developing blood clots due to impaired mobility and a highly active clotting process. The PREVAIL study, led by David Sherman from the University of Texas in the United States and colleagues, shows how one daily injection of enoxaparin was 40% more likely to prevent venous thromboembolism compared with twice daily injections of unfractionated heparin, a more conventional treatment. Our lead editorial discusses a global pandemic facing young people aged 15 to 19 years, road traffic accidents. The editorial calls for strengthened educational campaigns at an early age concerning road safety and coincides with the first United Nations Global Road Safety Week starting on April 23rd. A comment discusses the use, or rather misuse, of morphine and other opioids. Nigel Sykes from St Christopher's Hospice in London also explodes many of the myths concerning morphine use. For example, only 1 in 10,000 patients given morphine will become addicted to it. We also publish an interesting clinical picture, Botox, for the treatment of severe sweating in the hands of a young woman. But let's return to the latest findings of the Million Women study published online this week. Here's the lead author of the study, Professor Valerie Beryl. The Million Women study is a study of over one million women in the United Kingdom. We recruited women through the screening program. The National Health Service runs a breast screening program in the whole of the country and invites women aged 50 to 64 once every three years. And we recruited women from about half the centres in the UK. And the women who have now joined the Million Women Study include about one in four of every woman who was aged um, 50 to 64 at the time when we recruited them. The women were then aged in their mid-50s on average. Now they're in their mid-60s. And in terms of the analysis that we're publishing online this week, this is specifically looking at hormone replacement therapy, HRT use, and relation to ovarian cancer, both incidence and mortality. How do you do that? So I'll first of all tell you about how we, we know about HRT use. We asked women when they joined the study, but we've also sent them two sort of resurveys about three years apart asking them about a use of hormone replacement therapy and all sorts of other lifestyle factors. So we've got information at intervals about use of HRT and a number of other lifestyle factors. Through the NHS, you can link all women, and we've managed to link all but 64 of the million. So we, we know really about all the women after they join the study, what happens to them if they die or if they get cancer. And they have given us written consent to do this follow-up. So that's how we know and we have published earlier on cancer of the breast, looking at hormone replacement therapy. We've also published on cancer of the endometrium and this latest paper that was just published now was looking at um, cancer of the ovary both as a newly diagnosed cancer of the ovary and death. And ovarian cancer is the fourth most common cancer uh, for women in the UK 
And so you would expect, obviously, out of a large population of women, some deaths from ovarian cancer. So presumably what you were doing was comparing women who were using or had used HRT with those that hadn't, and then looked at the incidence and mortality of ovarian cancer over a time frame. That's right. Before they had developed cancer, we knew what type of, whether they were on HRT or not, we also knew what type of HRT they were taking, and then we followed them through to see who had cancer. There were about just over 2,000 new cases of ovarian cancer diagnosed. Ovarian cancer is a very grim disease that has a very high fatality. In this same population, there were about 1,500 deaths from ovarian cancer. And what were the basic findings you found for, for women who had used HRT compared with those that were never users? Well, we found that both for incident cases, for new cases and for deaths, there was about a 20% increase in the risk of ovarian cancer. There was one extra cancer of the ovary in every 2,500 women who used HRT over a five-year period. There was one extra case of ovarian cancer that wouldn't have happened otherwise in 2,500 women. And for every 3,300, there was one extra death that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And because the studies large enough and actually a third of the women were actually taking HRT. This has a lot of statistical power. We were able to really be quite precise about these estimates. We were also able to look at lots of different subgroups of women such as women say who had children and didn't, who'd taken the pill before, who hadn't, who drank, smoked and so forth. And this finding was really very robust and it was, it was very similar increased risk across the board, according to all sorts of different personal characteristics, rich women, poor women, etc. And an interesting finding, an important finding too, is that the, ri the increased risk that you're reporting here disappears when women stop taking HRT. That's right. It's an interesting finding, first of all, just sort of biologically, but it's also a very practical importance because it does mean that if women stop soon after they stop, those risks go away and they go back as if they've never taken HRT. Curiously, we found the same thing for breast cancer. Um, and I think it's, I, th I believe it's just been published in the New England Journal this week that there's been quite a drop in breast cancer rates in the US since use of HRT has fallen, which fits quite well with our sort of general findings that it looks like if you stop taking HRT, both breast and ovary cancer risks disappear quite quickly. So the science and the statistics are clear, but there are still many questions, I guess, that we can't answer. For example, the fact that oral contraceptives seem to have a protective effect, whereas when these hormones are in HRT preparations, they seem to have the opposite effect. Yes, it is, it is very curious. I mean, the, the pill really does contain estrogens and progestogens, and um, HRT, one, many of the formulations of HRT also contain estrogens and progestogens. And I should say, that we found, just before I answered that, we found that it didn't really matter whether women were taking HRT formulations with estrogen progestins or estrogens alone, there was an increased risk. But now, just going back to the pill, it is very curious that the similar combinations of preparations in premenopausal women seem to prevent ovarian cancer. In postmenopausal women, seem to increase the risk. It's very odd, and it really... I think in terms of mechanisms, if one's thinking about maybe when preventing ovarian cancer, I think people, we really need to look at these lessons we're learning from, you know, large-scale population human experiments, so to speak. We really need to look at these very carefully and think about whether they're lessons we can learn about preventing cancer in general. Indeed. And just going back 
specifically now to HRTUs and ovarian cancer. Yeah. What about duration of HRTUs? Yes, we did find um, that the longer women had taken HRT, the greater was the risk, the, 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 the proportionate increase, although there was a 20% risk overall. The, the proportionate increase in risk was greater the longer women had taken HRT. And that has, again, important messages, if you like, for what how women should try and utilise this information to make decisions about what they want to do about using HRT. Indeed, and that was kind of my next question, really, because it seems to me that the science is quite clear, but it's what women now do about the knowledge of the science and how it affects their choices and lifestyles. And, and let's face it, you know, women, many women take HRT because of the very debilitating effects of the menopause. I think we're moving, and I think that it is important, as you said, to just separate the, the evidence about the effects of HRT on different conditions from what women do. And I think um, sometimes they are a bit confused, but basically we really do know now for the sort of major conditions that HRT use does increase the risk of breast cancer now and ovarian cancer as well. Um, There's an increase in stroke and thrombosis. There's still a little bit of argument about coronary heart disease. But basically, all the advisory, all the sort of independent advisory committees really have concluded that in terms of serious health effects, there are really quite serious risks and the beneficial effects are not as great in terms of serious health outcomes. The advisory independent regulatory bodies all make it clear that if women want to take HRT, it has to be it's symptoms only. It's not for prevention of anything. It doesn't. It's not useful to prevent disease. So if women want to take it for symptoms, they really have to think about how severe their symptoms are, and whether they want to take the risks of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, stroke, and so forth. The risks are not large, but if they're the unlucky ones, they may. They just need to think about how they would react if they're the unlucky ones. Professor Valerie Beryl concluding this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.